Hey everyone, and welcome to the 11th installment of the weekly catch up podcast. It is Wednesday, December 11? 11. 11. 11, 2019. Oh, and it's, this is episode 11. Ooh. 11, 11, make a wish. Uh, I made mine. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I am your host, Carson Gibbons, and with me, as always, is my good friend, Mr. B. Rad Colvin. Hey guys. Um, okay, so you don't know I'm doing this, but. Last podcast, uh, you were talking about making a song or oh, something no. <laughs> for the episode. Um, what you do? Well, I just, you know, wrote down a couple of lyrics. I've been taking notes, uh, you know, what's been going on in the world recently. And so um, if, you, if you'll allow me, just give me uh, a couple seconds of your time. Uh, I'll, I'll have a song for episode 11. Ooh. Here we go. <clears throat> Welcome to the podcast where the news don't ever let up. We might talk about religion or the El Phoenix waiter that had us fed up. Rest in peace to Juice World. We lost another rapper. Brother Nature got beat up, but but did y'all investigate it after? A man scored 100 points against our alma mater. Oh. And the Cowboys are no longer kicking it with Brett Maher. I ran a 5K last weekend and my knees are still a little shaky. And I'm sure we'll talk about what's been going on in politics lately. Carson started his new job. There's so much that has developed. We got a lot to cover this week, so now let's catch up. Whoa! Hey! Dang, dude. That's awesome. Thanks, man. Wow, I feel like very unprepared for this now. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's all I got, so <laughs> you take it from here. Oh, I'm, I'm touched. That's a, a beautiful rap. Thanks, man. I like that. I I'm, I'm, can't wait to go back and listen to that already. <laughs> yeah, I stumbled through it a little bit, but you know. The nerves. Did That's you, my first time rapping for you guys. So you did a you did a verse with uh, David Monsa. Who is it? David Monsa. David uh, David the Psalmist, formerly known as DK the Duke. He put something on. I don't know if it was Instagram. I think it was Twitter, and you had retweeted it, and I listened to it, and it was straight fire. Yeah, he's amazing. Um, like I think it was the lyric video of him on top of the car or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and I was like, this is. This is like produced. This is incredible. Yeah, and I want to give him a shout out because he just got engaged uh, this past oh, week. So super happy for my guy, uh, David. Uh, if you guys want to check him out, he's he's uh, done a lot of music on Instagram. You can check him out at uh, David the Psalmist. And you did a song with him like a year back, right? Yeah, um, about a year was, ago. Tweet of the year. Pretty fire too, actually. Yeah, and I mean, I don't want to toot own... my own horn, but... Uh... You have your own unique style, and it, it was pretty good. I actually, you're you're a good rapper. I appreciate I'm even, that. I'm not even. Um, I know as like a kind of just like a medi- like not mediocre, but like just as a normal vanilla white dude. Like I got to come with it if I if I end up writing something, you know. Well, I don't I don't think you're a normal vanilla white <laughs> dude just having known you. All right, well that's but, that's cool. But, uh, no, I appreciate. You're it. a man of the streets. Well, you know, got to keep your ear close. Yeah. So. Let's get into it, man. Let's touch some elements of your song. Um, shout out B-Red Colvin for that. Um, Thanks, we're going to put it on SoundCloud. Put that on your <laughs> top 10 Spotify list hey, this week. There we go. So, well, so, okay, let's let's start with the El Phoenix waiter because uh, that happened right after we signed off last week. Uh, Carson and I went to go get dinner, you know, to talk about his new job and everything, which we'll get to. Um but yeah, man, we went we went to El Phoenix uh, just to get a quick bite. And uh, what what do you what did you think about that waiter? 
this was the one that um, he would like repeat what you said and then he would just never do it. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like he would confirm it. Yeah. But then it would never happen. We had additional conversation where we even explained to him. We first sat down and Brad had the foresight to say, hey, man, why don't you just go ahead and bring us two two salsas apiece? And I chimed in like, yeah, like we're we're big fans. Yeah. And, like I, I, and I even told him I patted him on the shoulder and I was like, I'm just trying to make your job easier. You know, we're going to be going through. We're going to be plowing through these chips and salsa. And so if you could just, you know, get us two apiece. And he said two apiece. Yeah, yeah, I got you. I got you. Yeah, I got he, you, my friend. He was like, oh, I get it. Like, he saw us. He saw We were in the smallest <laughs> booth of it. Went the little side booths along the wall by the bar, uh, which, you know, can't fit half their customers. Yeah. It's like, you know, a character in the book is like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And then the narrator's like, he didn't do it. <laughs> he did not do it. <laughs> little Piggly Wiggly did not. Yeah. Bring and then uh, he got your order wrong. Like, you asked for double. I was just all wrong. Yeah. Anyway. And he would disappear. I think... Um, and no shade, um, but I think that he was incredibly stoned, like because he yeah, was it w- he was kind of laughing and smiling at us, and yeah. I just think that he meant well, but I don't think he was all and, there. And then he disappeared in the back for like a good long time. Yeah. Anyway, he, he disappeared. And continued that was the first thing stoned. that I had written in my notes whenever I first started uh, making that little that little verse. Um, you, you know what's frustrating is that technically, while it's the first time that we've brought it up. That ain't news. Getting bad service at an El Phoenix on a Wednesday. <laughs> like, if I had a dime for every time, yeah. you know, it's just, they, they water their food down that day, too. Well, it's because everything's cheaper on Wednesday. Well, yeah, the, thing the, special. That, the thing that I get, but you, you don't get the enchilada I special. don't, but they got my order right. I'll tell you, you go to another El Phoenix on, like, an off day, like, Thursday through Tuesday, and everything is just heartier. It's, like, the yeah. consistency. It's, like... The difference between having a cabbage or having cabbage soup. Yes, yes. Um, (laughs) That's good. So uh, let's get into the... the, uh, You keep steering if you'd like. Steer Um, us through your song. Well, okay. I mean, I can. Not everything happened in the order of events. Plus, I got some personal stuff along with the media. So I don't know if you want to go ahead and cover like our personal stuff or if you want to get into media first. What are you feeling? um, Or you just want to jump around sporadically? Man... Yeah, I'm honestly, I want to jump around sporadically. So okay. I'm ooh. three days on the new job, so my brain is yes. straight saturated. <laughs> so, do we want to get into that new job? I know that you said. Let's you circle had back. It. Let's circle back. Okay you, okay. you keep going with your stuff. All right. Um, let's go ahead. I'm going to jump around within my verse as well because um, I was really proud of the. A man scored 100 points against our alma mater, and the Cowboys are no longer kicking it with Brett Maher. That was really. Thank you. That was my favorite line that I had written all week. I could attack that so many different ways, but why did we lose Maher? Because I, the dude I multiple, sucks. I have multiple sports questions for you. Okay, well, hopefully I can answer them all. Um, and if not, then I'm going to look it up while you but keep the conversation hit, going. Wouldn't he hit the ones that he wasn't he supposed like to hit? He hit like a 60, three or four yarder. But then he wouldn't hit the 42 yarder. Which we kick much more consistently, and he was missing all of those. So we gave him the boot. Um, <laughs> since he didn't have one, <laughs> yeah, pun intended, and uh, he's gone, and I think we're going to be better for it. Um, the Dallas Stars, yes, this is not in my notes, but I don't know if you saw my tweet. That's my bit. No, I didn't, but that's my big question because I I saw it on, trending on Twitter yesterday, and my boss actually went to the game last night. Okay, um, we office right next to American Airlines Center, right, and so I'm leaving the office yesterday, and like. It's probably 530 and I see all the Stars fans coming in. But I knew that the coach got let go 
for yeah. some sort of conduct, and I right. could never find just in writing inter- what the conduct was. It just was. said inappropriate conduct, and we don't know what that means. So we still don't. No, I don't. Okay, I don't I think the general I public. I mean, maybe some good like hardcore fans know, you know, how he is better than I. But as far as just like me looking up trying to figure out why he was fired, I have no idea other than inappropriate behavior. Yo, it's got to be something dark then, right? Like, yeah. here's the thing. Are we going to speculate? Let's put this out. <laughs> I'm, I'm just saying, like, you know, uh, they didn't they implement, like, some sort of four-point conduct plan or, like, initiative within the organization to, like, get things back on track? Like, I don't know what he was brewing or if it was, like, systematic within the organization. I mean, it had to have been bad because they've been winning lately. Like, they've been... We're 16 and... 17 and four. Yeah. They got off to a rocky start, but they, they've been doing really, really well. And so whatever he did, who knows? What are we thinking? I don't know. Was he physically inappropriate? Was he racially inappropriate? I, I don't know the man. Here's the deal. You can be a racist in hockey because it's such a, it's like, it's such a, um, a Canadian sport. And no, I don't actually mean that. Of course. Um, at all i to be honest with you my brain had gone to much darker places than where yours has like um like honestly like sandusky type stuff oh yikes let's hope that's not the case (laughs) yeah when was the last time you saw a coach get fired for going 17 and 4 to start the season (laughs) (laughs) Good point. Good point. You think that that coach could cheat on his wife and still when, have a job? Wouldn't that news have broken like right away if it was something like that? Man, everything is so piecemeal, you know, like, I don't know. And half the stuff doesn't make it to the news. You know, yeah. half the stings for child predators and things like that, they're not documented by Chris Hansen. He's not showing up like yeah. to catch a predator or something. That's fair. Um, You know, I might... My very first boss at a school, I'll never forget when the WFAA story broke that he he was HIV positive mm-hmm. and caught in the commission of trying to have sex with a child. And he'd even brought like some, what is it called? Like a prophylactic or something that there's some sort of medicine that can mask the, the signs of your disease or the transmittability of it for a certain period of time. He had all of that ready to go. And was trying to meet with a 14-year-old boy. And uh, sickening, right? Like, the, And it meant the end of the agency, essentially. Like, they just got sold for parts recently. Yeah. Um, I don't know why I'm going here. But I just, I know that with Sandusky and some of that stuff, the reason why, was it Joe Paterna? Is that his name? Sure. Uh, the legendary head coach yeah. at Penn State. Um, the reason why he died with kind of a, he's dead, right? Uh, I think so. I think so. Um, The reason why he went with such a a tarnish was because Jerry Sandusky was like an assistant coach under him and was utilizing not only like the locker rooms and the football grounds, but also some of the charitable vehicles surrounding the school, the team to basically run a camp for boys or something like he organized his uh, disorder, if you got it, got it. Yeah. Homeboy died in 2012. Oh boy. <laughs> um, he was always just so legendary. And you know, he was one of the most legendary college coaches ever. Yeah. But 
Um, okay, if uh, we're staying on sports, before we get to our big uh, story of the week, <laughs> I had also attended uh, the Mavericks game on Sunday. Oh, yeah, I saw that. With uh, my girlfriend and my cousin. And uh, so they were able to meet, which was really cool. Um, the game resulted in a loss for the Mavericks. However, um, our boy Luca made history. Um, he surpassed Michael Jordan for the most consecutive games with at least 20 points, five rebounds, and five assists since the NBA-ABA merger in 1976. So, already? Already, man. How many games is that? I believe I believe the record was 16, and this was the, was the 17th. Like, so Luca has done it for 17 That's games. steady straight. production. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, so, that was great. Um related i actually was having lunch with my cousin daphne on friday over at my favorite neighborhood joint lucky's cafe i don't think i've taken you there yet um, no i definitely have to but she and i had met over there and we're sitting there in the booth in the picture window and rick carlisle walked by oh <laughs> like he's he was in a mavs uh t-shirt and uh, shorts Okay. And like literally was like, I don't know if he was going to Eatsy's or the restaurant next door or whatever, but mm-hmm. you could see it looked like he was getting some sort of takeout or, you know, something to go from somewhere. But he passed by the first time and I turned to Daphne and I was like, is that Rick Carlisle? Is that the coach of the Mavericks? Like, <laughs> and she was like, I don't know. And I was like, that's Jim Carrey. That's Rick Carlisle. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's crazy. He's a pretty tall guy. Um, and just correction, it's Luke. There was the 19th consecutive game. Wow. And so he actually has an opportunity to continue that. Uh, they have a game coming up and, you know, the, the streak hasn't ended yet. So, so he could, he could keep it going, but yeah, I just thought that was interesting. Got to see a bit of history live. It was my first time seeing Luca. Um, they got off to a rocky start, but it was still, it was still a lot of fun. That was the first game that I had attended since, uh, 2011, the year that they had won the championship. I had gone to one of the uh, semifinal games or quarterfinals. I can't remember, but um, yeah, so it was great to be back and watching the Mavericks live and seeing Luca in action. Uh, what's their record? Are we doing pretty good? Uh, yes, we are. We are. Um, hold, please. Dude, I'm scrolling through Twitter and they still don't know. Um, they still don't know what's happening. In fact, people are making like kind of like mockery tweets of. Yeah. Uh, trying to figure out what happened to Coach Jim Montgomery. I don't know, but the Mavericks are sixteen and seven, so they have that going for them. They're them and the Stars are the fun teams to watch this year. Cowboys have just been taking tanking, so we're not. Other than the Brett Maher news, I don't have anything to report there. Um, but did we play last Thursday? Yeah, uh, versus the Bears or something. Yeah, we did lost. we lose to the Bears? Like I didn't even. I'm not even watching the second half of these games anymore. Yeah. It's um, so pathetic. I don't know what's happening. Troy Aikman was, um, he was on the radio or something today saying that essentially a lot of people are saying that Dallas's like playing core is kind of overrated, that they don't actually have all of the tools in place that everybody kind of thought they did going into the season. I mean, yeah, that's been more than clear. They lost to the, (laughs) (laughs) they lost to the bears, uh, 31, 24, um, I don't know whoever whoever was watching that game. You even saw Jason Witten getting heated with one of the uh, coaches while he was sitting on the bench. And he, you know, he he's just good old boy. He he rarely ever uh, argues or has any problems, but he was really even getting heated. So you know, you know, tensions are running high uh, for the boys. 
but nothing has moved yet. Like Garrett still has a job. Yeah. I see every, I saw a tweet that was like, when I hear a Dallas coach has been fired, I think, Oh, Jason Garrett, finally. Yeah. No, the Dallas stars. Yeah. Well, so that was similar uh, to one of the <laughs> tweets that I had tweeted out. I was just like, uh, if the Dallas Cowboys could take note from the Dallas Stars, that would be great. Yeah, unprofessional uh, conduct like losing. <laughs> I mean, they have been unprofessional lately. But I mean, like we could go out there and get pummeled, you know? Come on. They don't even deserve any more time on our podcast, to be honest with you. So, nah, let's just, moving on. Let's so, just move on. To the page. just when I think we're done talking about our alma mater, oh, snap. <laughs> Southwestern Adventist University. <laughs> Oh, man. Yo, they... man, we were on national media. <laughs> Yo, <laughs> your boys made it to ESPN. <clears throat> Literally, we... Shout out to the Knights. The Swahoo Knights. You know, I shouted out Pebbles a couple episodes ago for having... the. Th- he was a 13-year undergrad. He scored oh, like 100 points lifetime. No, I'm playing. Uh, well, speaking of 100 points... Fill us in. Um, so yesterday, our uh, boys over at Southwestern played... The Wayland Baptist University, okay, um, which resulted in a loss, one twenty-four to sixty. Now the news here is that they had one man, and I'm speaking of Wayland Baptist University, one man that scored a hundred of their points, one zero zero. What a ball hog! <laughs> one man almost doubled. The entire team's points from Southwestern. Man, he went wailing on Swahu. Yeah, and he had like one assist, but <laughs> one assist. <laughs> that's like neither here nor there. I and think 50 points were dunks. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I saw the highlights. I watched the highlights. I actually showed my students it during class. We needed, like, you know, we had just like really gotten like down. We were reading Macbeth and, you know, it was pretty depressing and everything. So we needed a good laugh. Yo, Macbeth is dark. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Um, they, they finished their work and I rewarded them with, <laughs> with the highlights from the game last night. Um, like, want to watch everyone's older sibling get pummeled. Yeah. Now I will say JJ Culver, uh, he has a brother, uh, Jarrett Culver who plays for the Timberwolves. And that man was the sixth round draft pick, uh, from the 2019 draft, I believe. And what um, college did he go to? Don't give me. I didn't do uh, that type of research, so that's on me. But because um, I've never heard of Wayland Baptist University. Yeah, nor have I. Um, I mean, that's you. Obviously, in any business or team, you don't want you know eighty-five percent of your production coming from anyone. Oh, individual. he's a Texas boy. He went to Texas Tech. There we go. I Jarrett mean, did. That's a much more accredited sports program that I'm sure Wayland Baptist is, but yeah. So let me JJ's look. out here, you know, just dribbling with his right hand. <laughs> it, it, the man should have like, he's a good player, no doubt, but there's no way he should have scored a hundred points. Like if you watch the highlights, well, dude, I, the, I mean, I'm not 40 minutes in the game. Yeah. I don't want to try to rip on, you know, no shade, but maybe no shade, but play some deep, like put your hands up, maybe practice on a Saturday. I saw, <laughs> no. yeah. I'm playing. I'm playing. I'm, I'm friends with a lot of people. Don't I'm do friends that. with a lot of them on Twitter and I'm not trying to like start beef or anything. Well, it's but. not, it's not even a, it's not a priority for Southwestern to feel oh. good teams. Um, like we know that my dad actually texted me this morning. Uh, he texted me cause he didn't know that I had seen it, but he texted me the link to Fox news that showed the score and everything. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, man, I saw, he said, ouch. He's like, our players are here to study, obviously. <laughs> like, yeah, we're, we're much Bible. more concerned with uh, academics than basketball, clearly. So 
my experience with this was basically waking up <laughs> and looking at facebook and seeing like every guy that i ever <laughs> went to school with there just sharing espn sports center's link and going man this is wrong this is embarrassing but i know that we were all just so pumped that a game of ours was covered by <laughs> anybody ever like mama we made it it's like score 150 next time maybe yeah. we'll go on you know fox sports you know maybe yeah. we'll be on i don't know that that's really funny though yeah um Wow. So they can't send a marketing email or shoot a basket. <laughs> uh, yeah. I don't know. Yo, what to say there, man. That's why we get it together. Uh, Dr. Ken Shaw, I want him to do that same competitive fundraising approach to the athletics programs there. Yes, please. I want to have state of the art track and field, tackle football. <laughs> yeah. Everything. If, if anyone from Southwestern does hear this, I want you to come over to CTA, the high school that I work at and uh play against our boys whoa and that's like i'm so i'm I'm very i'm very confident in our players like they actually are very good and i am digging into southwestern a little bit but i honestly think our boys could compete with them well we both graduated from southwestern so we can say whatever we want yeah um yeah like they took my money you guys uh you guys had a win last night right yes we did uh we played against the high school um, in which, you know, previously the team that we played against, uh, that man had scored, or that boy had scored. That uh, man. Yeah. You, you talk like Stephen A. You're like, that bad man. <laughs> Listen, man, I'm getting riled up. Uh, uh, he had scored 40 points against the team that he had played last time. We shut him down last night. He scored 23. We ended up beating the team by like 11 or something like that. Um, I had posted it on Instagram. I can't remember the final score, but the point is that they had won like six. They had won fifty-eight yeah, or something. They had they won like the past six consecutive games, and we finally put an end to that. So proud of my boys. Which um, else record? We've only lost two, so I think we're what eight and two or something oh, like nice. that. Nice. Are yeah. you an assistant coach for that? Um, yeah, I've been promoted to assistant coach. Uh, our head coach has been announcing me as the assistant assistant coach. Um, before I was just there to like really, you know, get to know my students and I really just wanted to support them. And the coach saw that. So he would like let me sit on the bench with them and I'd kind of just give them pep talks. But now I'm actually like in their huddles and, you know, helping uh, guide them, telling them what to do, helping coach actually. So yeah. I can see the upcoming yeah. KJCR story where they're like, yeah. is the team chaplain stepping into the huddle too much? <laughs> <laughs> no. Is he running plays? <laughs> Not the chaplain. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> man, uh, I thought that there was going to be a lot to talk about with that guy hanging a hundred on our alma mater. But when we say it out loud, it's like, yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they played us. Yeah. Like we were just so terrible though. I think we won one game in my three years of going to university there. And we pretty much mobbed the court and by we, I mean, you know, all 40 of us spectators, yeah. um, yeah, I mean, the fans were always good. Like, we'd still shout and cheer and, you know, because... we danced to the instrumental Little Wayne that they would play yeah, us. Yeah, like, like you said, like, we've earned the right to make a few jabs. We, we were there for the games and... I've never um, heard so much instrumental Lil Wayne, Birdman, and T.I. <laughs> in my entire life, yeah. but we I all mean, knew what was up. <laughs> yeah, like, why spend time practicing whenever you can just find, like, a sick song, you know? Yeah. It's like, I make it rain, I make it rain. <laughs> it's like, uh, but if there were no words, you it was don't. instrumental. It, they wouldn't play the words with it. So it'd be like, mm. yeah. a Millie would be like, just the beat. Yeah, I can't even do it. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. Anyway, um, I'll keep this going. Uh, so no more about sports. Um, but if we're talking about rap, I uh, got Juice <laughs> World. Who, what is what is that? Juice World is a uh, young rapper who passed away over the weekend. Oh snap! Yeah, he was on an airplane, um, and he landed, and whenever he was at the airport, like he was in one of the terminals, and he had a seizure, and oh, ended no. up uh, passing from the seizure. Um, it was reported that one of the pilots had. Uh, phoned in to the police saying that the dude had like 200 pounds of weed uh, along with hard drugs. And um, so they, they haven't done the autopsy report yet or anything. So we don't know if the hard drugs is what caused uh, his seizure or anything like that. But uh, we do know that he, he did pack some on the flight and he's no longer with us. 200 pounds of weed? Like what in his, I don't know, maybe, in his, uh, maybe, do you know how much weed that did I, is? Did I say 200? Hold on. 200 pounds is like what they confiscate from the most successful hidden compartment trunk raid in Arizona. Like 200 uh, pounds is, yeah. that would that would fill a trunk. <laughs> yeah, so that that's on me. That's probably not correct. Um, they Oh, well, they did find 41 bags of what was suspected to wow. be marijuana. So, wow. <laughs> so I don't know if I'm far off, honestly. I mean, it's um, probably double digit pounds. 41 though. bags and six prescription bottles of suspected liquid codeine, along with uh, three firearms. That that was in his bag? <laughs> Yo. I'm, uh, who packed this guy for the airport? His worst <laughs> enemy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Well, it was found in his, his luggage, so I'm guessing, I don't know if he checked his bag or if. Um, Man, I, don't, I, I don't know how this made it through, honestly. I go through every. I have a, a go bag basically like I have a, a couple of years ago, whenever I went with some of my friends to Europe for a couple of weeks, John and I had gotten some of those like travel backpacks. Mm -hmm. And honestly, everything that I had in my medium sized roller up until that point fit and more into this backpack. And it's just really nice because yes, it's, it's heavy, but it, it's well distributed and it allows you to not have to roll anything, which when you're going down cobblestone streets in Paris to go to a, a train station to hop onto a flight, like you just want a backpack. Um, but there's so many like little zippers and compartments and I'm never traveling with anything illegal, obviously, but at the same time, just out, out of precaution, I've always thought like those TMZ stories, like how does Lil Pump get arrested at the Miami airport for having drugs? And he has a, a cop, an off-duty cop who's escorting him through the airport. And is like flabbergasted. He's like, what? There's well, drugs? No idea. Wh where? No, we like, knew. And law enforcement is talking to him like, hey, man, like, we know you're straight. And he's like, you know, I'm straight. Like, I know that this kid's no, you know, he's up to no good. Right, but right, at the right. same time, I'm keeping him out of that. So I just pro proactively go through every pocket just because I'm like, I don't know if like I got a pocket knife or just anything that <laughs> right. pair of scissors. Like, you never know what's going yeah, on. Some nail clippers. Just anything or something over three ounces. Like, did I leave an old bottle of cologne? Like, yep. obviously, I'm serving up the most vanilla yeah. <laughs> things that could possibly no, no, be no, in there. You. But at the same time, you know, you never know if somebody else has packed something for you or people could. That'd be a great way to get at somebody, you know, yeah. like you're about to go to the airport and I don't like you. We just had a fight. Let just me slip this into your slide a handgun into your side compartment, right. you know? Yeah, I feel you. Um, and you're allowed to. Here's the other thing, though. If you are like an LTC, for instance, you can easily, and maybe even if you're not, but you can easily check a bag with a firearm in it. Yeah. So maybe people get bags confused at the airport. And yeah. because 
if you ch- you can check a variety of items, but if you try to carry it on, everything gets you know escalated essentially. Right. Um, realistically, it was seventy pounds. Um, so I, I... that is incredible. Yeah. Where, where yeah, was he so apprehended? It... He had actually made the flight. He made the flight, and he yeah, he landed. Um, it says police and FBI agents arrived to meet him uh, as they landed because he had made it onto the plane with all of that, which, you know, once again, I don't know how that happens, but uh, it says, yeah, he had, he also had two nine millimeter pistols and a, and a caliber pistol um, with metal piercing bullets found on, on the plane, found on the plane. Oh my goodness. Yep. Um, so there you go. He's like, man, this here is recreational though. <laughs> this is yeah. a recreational amount. It was just for the music. That video. is intense. Um, I bet the codeine triggered the seizure or something like a, yeah, that's a what variety. I'm I also think that, um, a lot of people are, I, I've heard a lot of news stories recently about people taking edibles and then getting on flights and having very bad reactions. Like there was a, uh, a NBA recently. Who got excused from team activities for a minute because he had taken a gummy Mm. on a flight that he got from another teammate that he wouldn't rat on. And they ended up having to like ground the plane or something. Oh, well, he had to be restrained or something that happened. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So once again, Juice World, uh, he died at the age of 21. Um, I don't know. Do you know what the 27 club is? Uh, like Amy Winehouse. Yeah, so Amy Kurt Winehouse, Cobain. yeah, and Kurt Cobain. There are several uh, artists who have Jimmy died. Hendrix. Yeah, several Id- artists who had died at the age of 27, so they've called it the 27 Club. And Juice World actually has the lyrics, what's the 27 Club? We ain't, make- we ain't making it past 21. And he dies at the age of 21, so people are uh, shook by that one. Um, but yeah, man, uh, his most popular song is Lucid Dreams, which is a song that if you listen to any, like, pop uh rap station or anything like that that's a song that you couldn't have escaped last year um yeah i i'm sure that's you, tragic yeah so I, super popular he's a soundcloud dude that that made it big um and if i'd attained fame at uh 18 19 20 i'd be dead too yeah man i will <laughs> i mean that's just like all that they rap about you know you have future who you know what? What's his most popular song? Molly Percocet. Like, you know, like that's the, and all these kids are like it's coming into the mask game. off. <laughs> well, I know. I'm just saying the lyrics. That the, that the, Molly yeah, that's what that's all, my favorite. That's song. what exactly. And so that's what all these kids are looking up to, and they're like, "Oh yeah, this is cool." When back in the day, it was really about like sneaking in and you know getting some alcohol or cigarettes or whatever it might be. Um, not we, that that's okay, but it was it something be, probably less harmful than hard like cocaine or codeine or. Uh, different well, rap, to that effect we listen to uh it's like a jungle sometimes it, it makes, makes me wonder, wonder how i keep, keep from going, going under yeah uh, <laughs> who, who is that uh, uh i don't know you keep talking i'll, I'll look it man, up don't push me because <laughs> i'm close to, to the edge. edge man that go listen to that song on uh youtube folks um I always just end up youtubing it's like a jungle sometimes it, it makes, makes me wonder, wonder and then they show me the real thing it's like when was it made? Grand, oh, it's Grandmaster Flash. Yeah, it's yeah. a classic. Yeah, Man, there's like six solid verses in that that just literally show, honestly, it shows your descent and your plight in the hood. Yeah. And like how you start out, like, we're like every man or woman, we just want the normal dream. And then this thing trips us up. And because it takes <laughs> us to this new low, 
it's like a jungle sometimes and then it's like a new low and you basically end up i think the guy in the last verse is like now you're dead yeah (laughs) Yeah. but it's it's a great old school video uh did you see when it was um uh, maybe it has it in the bio when it was originally done it has to be in the 80s or something um yeah keep talking because i'm gonna i'll find it um i actually um Brad and I were watching the Cowboys game the other day, and I stopped the Cowboys game to play that song for like <laughs> yeah. six minutes. Yeah, because nothing good was happening from the Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, 1982. Okay, yeah. I'm so happy that we found a way to talk about that. <laughs> that's, that, that's the song that we've been listening to forever. That's hilarious. Yeah, I feel like that little gag has been going on for years. Because didn't it start like I couldn't remember? I'd be like, Brad, yeah. it's like yeah. I couldn't say the words. And you'd yeah. be like, it's like a jungle sometimes. Yeah. It makes me wonder. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, man, we've been doing that for at least five years, at least. Um, yeah, and so that's what you know we would listen to, or even you know in the early two thousands, we would have like Ludacris or Lil Wayne who would you know talk about their scantily clothed women um, or the alcohol or smoking weed or different things like that. But man, like today's rappers are really glorifying those hard drugs and uh, you know just just making videos of it. You know, they're always like Instagramming like live videoing their their stashes of drugs and stuff and um it's it's clearly taking a toll on on the youth they, th- they think it's cool man yeah well they need they need to jump start the dare program again no do you remember the dare no you don't think that no i i don't keep kids off drugs i'm for the decriminalization of all drugs and okay. uh federal legalization of certain drugs but i actually think when you look at other countries, look at countries who don't even have a drinking age. Like their level of alcoholism in, in certain ways is is less prevalent. Like kids are demystified to alcohol and certain types of drugs. And as a result, like whenever you take away a black market, you take away some of the mystique and you actually can decrease use among certain groups. And um, I'm not advocating for anybody to do any drugs. Um you know, I think that there are some that are probably benefit. Like I, I've been fascinated to watch the psychedelic movement reemerge from like a an academic standpoint, where yeah. you have all these guys up at MIT that are saying, "Man, psilocybin it prepares cancer patients for the grave. It helps smokers quit smoking. It removes the PTSD and trauma from war um, combat members." You know, like I, I personally, well, I shouldn't even say this. Never mind, but. I'd love to go on a guided experience in, in my life. I've never done that. Right. And, uh, it, it's totally natural. And again, I'm not advocating for this, but, um, one thing that Rogan has always said about it is that for a moment, for however long your trip is, your experience that, um, it removes you from your ego. You see your place in the world, but without the shelter of your ego and you come away from it with a peace it's kind of counterintuitive that you come away with a piece that you don't really matter. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like it's gonna, it's gonna go on. It was there before you, it's going to go on after you like be at peace, you yeah. know, like it, it's going to be okay. And I can't describe it because I haven't been on that journey, but I watched a 60 minutes episode the other night where Anderson Cooper is talking to your kind of stereotypical looking, uh, terminal cancer patient with, you know, the chemo and, um, hair loss and all of these things and she was so at peace and she had gone on a guided psilocybin trip with a therapist just once 
and it, it showed her it, it prepared her for death in a way that she could stomach it hmm, that's interesting yeah um and going back to you talking about like you know just decriminalizing it it's so uh, it's like less taboo or like it, I, I feel like there's a rebel within a lot of us and like so sometimes like human nature always wants to break the rules or, or anything like that. So I, I can see what you're saying as far as like, you know, decriminalizing or not making that as huge of an issue because then people, you know, won't sneak off and do it or maybe perhaps they'll find safer places to do it because they don't have to hide it or different things like that. So S- some of that stuff uh, definitely plays a factor. Um, I think that in my advocacy for eliminating black markets, it's more due to the violence that black markets create among the people that conduct the business. So um, this goes to like the cartel situation. Like we have a two-way war going on where certain things are allowed under the radar in an effort to go after bigger things. But this war on drugs is ludicrous in that like who is who is Mexico's biggest exporter to? You know, like, where are all those drugs going to us here in America? So there's definitely a market for it. So what are we doing? We as citizens and consumers, we're out, you know, and I'm just speaking generally as uh, Americans. But let's be honest, like a certain percentage of the population is smoking cannabis that was cartel um, produced. They're snorting cocaine that was cartel produced, heroin, fentanyl, whatever the case may be. Um and then they're turning around and they're electing representatives who are spending billions of dollars inflicting violence upon the cartel and creating – it's just not even necessary. It's like I wonder if we just recognized the cartel and said, all right, we're going to put a tariff on this and you guys are going to have to file this thing with you know the Mexican <laughs> government. But yeah. you know we're going to import this and under a certain quantity amount, you'll be able to purchase it at a Rite Aid or a CBS or I don't know, whatever. All I'm saying is that it's very hypocritical that we buy all of their drugs and then we fight those drugs entering the country. <laughs> like we're wasting a bunch of money here yeah. somehow, like because we could either federalize it, legalize it, tax it, regulate it, make money, or we could not worry about it if you're doing it. Like, yeah, I you I should never that. worry about what someone else does with their body unless like your ability to like snort cocaine and swing your fist ends at my nose like your your right to do that ends at the tip of my nose at any yep. point that you are inflicting your way of life or process on me and my family or that's when you step in that's when it becomes a legal issue but if you want to shoot a heroin in your house all day that's your prerogative yeah like i'm sorry i get what you're saying also when you really do the research on the history of how these drugs got classified and why certain drugs like the uh, I forget the origins of um, um, some of the drugs that were banned were in direct competition with drugs that were currently legal on the market mm-hmm. that people knew were hurting people. And yeah, I don't know. At one point, you couldn't drink in this country. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? <laughs> like a hundred years ago, you couldn't drink. Not yeah. even a hundred years ago. It was like 1940, right? Or 1920. Like that, yeah. It was the 20s mm-hmm. or the teens. Yeah. Um, isn't that how like was it the. Not the Vanderbilts, the Rockefellers, weren't they bootleggers? Uh, I believe so. I'm I'm not super knowledgeable on that. I used to, uh, I used to be a voracious reader as a kid, and I would read a lot of. I read the, the American History series where they mm-hmm. would put a fake character into the middle of all the real proceedings, and that was yeah. my favorite. 
that and like westerns like i would read davy crockett daniel boone of mm-hmm. course um lewis and clark yeah, yeah. like enthralled with all of that but yeah like i think we so like Swift in the 20s Arrow. they had like the prohibition is that prohibition yes yeah, yeah. Uh, where they had the prohibition laws they weren't allowed to sell or import uh alcohol um yeah so yeah like you were saying it, it used to be illegal and and now they found other stuff to make illegal one think about how many people are running around dallas tonight with a gun and a, a stack of cash and protection and drugs and they're looking out for rival gangs they're looking out for cop cars and what if we could just let them go about their way and just be hey obey the traffic laws and be on your way you know like we don't care what's in the car like yeah. go see your friends transact your deal or whatever's going to happen like if i think that yeah if it's not serving the greater good now all that being said when i see decriminalize if you have a pallet of cocaine in your house <laughs> or your garage or something with like a forklift maybe somebody should check on that <laughs> you know like i don't know where that line ends <laughs> you know yeah. All I'm saying is that um, I hate seeing good people get hung up on like a charge for uh, just the, the smallest of infractions, you yeah. know? Yeah, no, I totally get what you're saying. And honestly, that's where racial discrimination comes into play because yep. so many more white people have been let off with cocaine residue or a little baggie of marijuana than black people. Well, and yeah, and, and you have people who have been jailed for years and years and years for, you know, just possessing marijuana. Meanwhile, or uh, waiting you know, for bail. Well, Wait. but, but you're talking about, you know, whenever something infringes on you physically or however, um, you know, but it, it's their prerogative if they, if they want to partake in drugs. Um, but my issue is, you know, you have people locked up for, for doing drugs and not even selling it, just possessing it. Meanwhile, somebody else is out here raping, you know, somebody else from their university or some stranger and they get like a slap on the wrist or, you know, just uh, suspend. Like uh, what, what was the one college where the guy had raped this girl and he was like on one of the sports teams or something? And, well, there, um, Duke had lacrosse like, had a big issue. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's what I'm thinking of. Um, but there's um, been honestly probably too many stories to that yeah, and that frat but, hazings and dying and. Yeah, and so that that honestly makes me so livid because that's actually like taking, you know, physically harming, uh, well, physically and emotionally harming someone. Meanwhile, somebody that was just recre- recreationally smoking weed um, is locked away for for like their life. Well, any disruption in your momentum is going to affect you and your ability to make money, uh, your abilities in your career. Um especially if you're an able-bodied man, this is how we cripple communities as a country is when we pull over somebody in an underprivileged neighborhood with expired tags and find the smallest bag of marijuana or even crack for all I care in the vehicle. And then the next thing you know, you've taken a father of two and a sole breadwinner out of a home, out of an apartment where things were going okay right then. Let's just say for this hypothetical, hypothetical example, and then you take him to jail and because they were living paycheck to paycheck because he was busting it and maybe selling some drugs on the side to make ends meet or whatever, because that's all he saw modeled for him coming up. Um, and he's trying to do things maybe a little bit more on the up and up. 
I'm making him really virtuous. Uh, This is the most virtuous drug dealer ever. Uh, He just needs a shot, folks. So when you take him and you jail him and he can't come up with the the collateral for like the bail or whatever, and so he has to wait out a court date, there's a staggering number of individuals that are in jail because they couldn't make bail. Yeah. And that so disproportionately affects obviously poor people of any race, you Mm -hmm. know? Yep. Um, so, and when you take that momentum out, listen, a lot of people in an underprivileged community, I've had a lot of jobs where I've clocked in and out, you know, like where it's like, if I miss work that day and didn't call in, I'm fired. You know, they're not putting me on the schedule the next week. Yeah. I mean, you know, I'm not doing that. Yeah. So, um, (laughs) so yeah, if you, if you disrupt that in somebody's life and make them spend the night in jail and then they have to wait eight weeks for a, a trial hearing or whatever. Why don't we just avoid all of that and keep these able-bodied people working, contributing to the community, their families, and, you know, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either, man. It's just one of those things. I actually heard on the way home from work, uh, speaking of rap and death and (laughs) all of this, uh, there was this British guy on AM radio talking about the top Google searches of the year for 2019, specifically for North Texas, actually. Okay. And the number one topical. So he said this this particular study uh, doesn't take into account like obviously things like YouTube or Google or are the yeah, top yeah. Google searches, you know. Yeah. Um, but from a, a thematic topical perspective, Nipsey Hussle was yes, the number man. one Google search in North Texas. Mm, love me some Nipsey. Rest in peace. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and you and I were talking about him last week whenever we went out to dinner because. That's somebody that you've been listening to more. Yeah, I surprised well. B Rad with uh Yeah. It's like last time that I checked. That's right, man. <laughs> I've been all about Nipsey. I, I looked him up lap, because baby. everybody everybody was like so um th- they were so uh, in awe of him, especially yeah. in his in the wake of his death. Yeah. And so I, I looked him up. This makes me sound like a, a rap noob, but I looked him up and I started listening. I was like, I love this guy. Yeah. Um, you know, he's a rapper. He his uh album Victory Lap released in 2018 um, was nominated for best rap album of the year at the at the, at the uh, 61st uh, Grammy Awards um, he's somebody that I had listened to so I know like on the first or second podcast or something I had talked about whenever I had traveled to Iceland well I had really gotten into Nipsey Hustle and so whenever I flew over to Iceland like that album you know I was walking at night in the streets of Iceland as it was like snowing down and everything and um, I was on that trip by myself. So I would just have my headphones on um, and I would just blast uh, victory lap um, as I was walking through Reykjavik and everything and just felt like a cool dude, even though I just, I probably looked like a lame. But Well, they don't know what you were listening to, but yeah. that could be a meme. Yeah. Like when you're in Iceland alone, it's like Nipsey Hustle, yeah. And then when you're For in all Iceland, they, Bay, it's yeah, like listening Blue or like listening to uh, like Dancing Queen from ABBA. <laughs> hey, I, I can get down on some Dancing <laughs> no, Queen. Yeah, you, you know I can as much That's as That's a next... banquet song, son. Yeah. yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah, Nipsey Hustle, um, he was killed back in March of this year. Um, he had um, a, a store called Marathon Clothing. And, you know, his whole thing was like the marathon continues. Like that was his kind of tagline for all his promotions and everything. It was just, you know, about, you know, he goes by the name Nipsey Hustle. And it was all about like hustling and, you know, you know, pushing it further and not ever giving up. Um, So he was at his own clothing store 
Um, and he, you know, was shot 10 times uh, in a drive-by. He had actually gone to a store early because one of his friends had just been released from jail and he was going to give him like some new clothing and everything so he could go back home to his family and like look presentable. Um, so he wasn't even like supposed to be working that day or anything. He was actually going to like do something nice and he was gunned down. Um, and yeah, everybody was just sickened by it. Even the biggest like uh, gangsters in that community were like, that was a coward that did that, yeah, you know, yeah. like it was, he was so revered because somehow he, he broached both, um, he broached both worlds in that he was true gangster through and through. Right. But yeah. somehow he had this message of inspiration that, uh, I think he was focused on like black business and the black dollar, yep. which is something that killer Mike has been super into. Yes. Um, I don't know if you watched his doc on, on Netflix, dude, his, did you watch the doc where he, he tries to make it from like Atlanta to yeah. Athens? Yep only on black businesses yeah like he has to take black transport black owned transportation and he couldn't even eat at black owned restaurants because the food wasn't sourced from like black farms for instance yeah and he has such an incredible point in the uh the infographics breakdown of that documentary it talks about how by race we keep our uh, let's call it the white dollar for instance or the asian dollar we keep those within our race for a certain amount of time before we go out of that race or, you know, neighborhood, so to speak, to spend our money. So the amount of time, like, whereas uh, the white dollar would remain in the white community for a matter of what was it, 10 or 30 days or something. Mm -hmm. I think the black dollar in the black community, it was a matter of like hours. Yes. Like literally. And so, you know, it's one of the big things that Nipsey Hussle and like Killer Mike and some of these guys, I think Jay-Z to a large extent, has stressed about uh, generational wealth and how it's imperative that you set your kids up so that they can set their kids up and that we got to have stuff to pass down. And that's why it's – I love these new ad campaigns too. Have you seen the ad campaign? It might be Chase Business. I don't um, think so. It's, the, it's a little African-American boy and he's – He's in a somewhat underprivileged neighborhood in in the commercial, but he's talking about his mentors and it's showing like the barbershop and Mm -hmm. some of these different local establishments. And he's got his own like clothing and fashion line that he's selling. And he he's like, you know, these guys are teaching me the importance of credit and all of this Mm -hmm. different stuff. And then he says, um, you know what they say, like slow feet don't eat. Mm -hmm. And I loved how they were able to just retain the essence of like, you know, I'm personally inspired by the whole hustler message. You know, yeah. I'm not out there pushing bricks of cocaine, obviously. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it's, and there's other ways that you can hustle, but yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like hustle, you know, yeah. I think it's an inspirational message and yeah, exactly. uh, I've been really, uh, I've wanted to, con- as dumb as this sounds <laughs> as you know, the, the blue eyed white boy, <laughs> like I've wanted to contribute to that effort of um, like black entrepreneurship or, keeping keeping a minority dollar in a minority community just because to me i'm a capitalist like i am not a republican anymore um i don't think i've been a republican ever genuinely i think i was raised republican to a certain extent Mm -hmm. but i'm socially much more of a democrat obviously i'm really a libertarian Mm. you know libertarian capitalist and um yeah i'm just i think that instead of instead of certain programs where we pay money to distribute money, 
that just focusing that money, whether it's UBI with Andrew Yang or mm-hmm. um, focusing on uh, these things called opportunity zones. Have yeah. you heard about these things? No. So my, my cousin's property up in Broken Bow, Oklahoma is actually designated as an opportunity zone. And what that has typically meant for the most part of the counties in the U.S., and don't quote me on this, but they'll pick a, a section that needs revitalization or breath of fresh air or whatever, or is maybe a burgeoning new community right for development. And they'll say, you can come in and buy this property with like capital gains, for instance. So if yeah. you made money off of like a stock or an investment or something, you could take that money tax-free if you go buy that property or that building or whatever and put 50% of its value back into it, like fixing everything up. You, It's a tax haven essentially for up to a decade or yeah. something like that. Um, a lot of those are in underprivileged communities and um you know areas that need more businesses Mm -hmm. you know yeah for sure i respect that yeah i love that um and then just going back to like nipsey or like sometimes people ask me like why do you like rap so much because you know like like uh, you know i teach at a christian school and uh, all this um i mean first of all i just love wordplay as being like an english major and all that but secondly like a lot of my favorite rappers, even though like they may use explicit language or, you know, talk about drugs or alcohol or whatever it might be. However, whenever you look at people like Nipsey Hussle or Jay-Z or even Pusha T, uh, J. Cole, like their message is that, listen, I had to sell drugs and I had to do all this. But like I'm trying to build a community so that you guys don't have to like that's something that I've done in the past. And like. Uh, I still have all these street smarts and I'll get busy if I need to. Um, however, I'm trying to make it to where, you know, the future generations don't have to do this. And that goes back to the the younger generation of like these SoundCloud rappers who are doing all of these hard drugs. Like they're not really listening to the message and they're trying to go about their own way and really, you know, make the rap game or the or the streets theirs. I think um, it's I think it's the opposite. I think that they really? are not a complete professional rapper. And that's why. Rap is an element of their overall brand and lifestyle that allows well, them to sell shows and sell. Well, and they're not even I mean, if you listen to tons of the like the SoundCloud rappers interviews and stuff, they're not in it for the music. They are in it to make money exactly. and, and, and to, you know, get those drugs and everything. So that, that's just <laughs> what I'm saying. Like they're like, even though they have these mentors to look up to and everything, they're like, nah, I'm, I'm not even here for that. I'm just trying to make a quick buck and bounce. You got to think that back when you had to go to the recording studio and get set up with the producer and plot, you know, call Timbaland, call JT. Are they in town that week? Can we do, can we lay this track down? Yeah. Can we get Just Blaze on the track? Yeah. Um, (laughs) Justin made another one. (laughs) Um, Whenever they did that, there had to be more effort and pride in the ultimate work product. And what I've heard from even even on like the breakfast club or some of these podcasts is that when it's SoundCloud and you can syndicate immediately and get immediate feedback and all you need to do, you were talking about it being two minutes. Yeah. And and there's a lot of good that can come from it because it's like, well, you created that content and you're making the money. I think there's something to be said, especially whenever it comes to like a lot of the kids entering the music or entertainment business. um, At least, the labels could somewhat look out for them and like, you know, prep them for whenever they go to concerts and everything. Um, there's this 
uh, famous, you know, up and coming. She's really popular right now. Uh, R&B singer, uh, Summer Walker. And she just talks about how much she hates touring and performing. And like, she doesn't even like going there. And she like, will tweet that out before, right before a performance. And she, you know, it's like, what are the fans supposed to think? Like, you're not even inspired to be there. And she'll just kind of sit and like, will mumble through her words. And like, she sounds great, but she's not putting on a good show or anything. And I feel like, you know, in the past, whenever they would come into the entertainment industry, at least they could be prepped and somebody would be helping guide them to put on good shows. So again, like a lot of these kids are uninspired and they're just trying to make a quick buck and they're not doing it because it's like their passion, which I mean, as a music lover, that part sucks for a consumer. Um, But again, I understand like where they're coming from. You know, it's just like a business to them, you know? Well, I, they they know that it's a business, but they're eighteen. They're twenty. They're, I mean, we're children when we're that age, especially as guys. And if yeah. you think of it, if you had grown up without any element of father figure, and you uh, everything that was modeled for you around you included guns and you know drive bys and slinging slinging drugs and all of this different stuff, and then. We live in the the freelance age, you know, the fractional age, the do-it-yourself age, the DIY, YouTube it, get it done. There's Google for that. Yeah. So all of these performers, there's never been less representation in some ways, like less formal, like less formal gatekeepers, so to speak, yeah. in that. I mean, guys were talking about it the other day. Uh, Logan Paul sold uh, out the Staples Center for, for a fight that grossed like how many I don't know. Hundreds of millions uh, of dollars. It's like so frustrating that uh, Tim Dillon was actually talking about how he thinks a YouTube star, will, like a YouTuber will be the next president of the United States in an upcoming term. Um, God help us all. But I mean, I don't know. Your song today reminded me of, I don't, I don't think you listened to two bears, one cave. Um, I, don't. I caught an episode or two over the last week. And it's so funny because did you see how Bert did a promo, a dancing promo video whenever he announced more dates on his uh, body shots worldwide tour? No, I did not. Okay. So Bert hired like a choreographer and a, a nice videographer and you know, sound editors and spent probably 10 or 15 grand on a, a, a video that he did for YouTube that he announced on Twitter and all of his social media. And it was simply announcing the remainder of his dates. Sorry, Bert Kreischer is a comedian. Sorry, yeah. we're, we're so bad at making these he, standalone. Yeah, um, he's a comedian. He typically performs without a shirt. He's this chubby dude. Um, and he, his most famous joke talks about him. Uh, the machine. The, yeah, the machine with the Russians. Um, so if you. I, I don't get it. I didn't love that story. I didn't either, <laughs> but he, he certainly milked it. And oh, and yeah. I know other his comedian buddies always tease him about or, you know, poke fun of him for always just having that one joke. What, um, what's funny is that he's so self-aware that like that's the moment that made him yeah. like apparently he put that video up back in the day and like woke up and it had 80 million views or something right, like right. that. So anyway, so that's who we're talking about. So if you want to, you know, look up that that little bit. Um, it's pretty hilarious. So he's a big chubby boy. He normally performs with the shirt off on stage on his Netflix specials. So in this particular video, he's he's in like a studio or something like that, like a dance studio. And. Uh, he starts to dance to like this hip hop beat, and at one point he like rips off. He has like the uh, the magnetic 
trousers or whatever. Okay. He rips it off. So like breakaways? Yeah, and he's basically in a banana hammock. And, you know, but he's such a packed fat kind of guy that uh-huh. he doesn't. And that angers me because I collect fat like <laughs> like such a small young child that might be female. <laughs> like I'm just I get it in my jowls and I get man tits. I'm just <laughs> I hate it. And he's just like packed fat. So it like goes to his his thighs and his butt and he yeah. does get a big beer gut. But anyway, it's a really funny video. And like his best friend is Tom Segura. So he does two bears, one cave with Tom Segura Hilarious. for the your mom's house um, studios. Um. We'll talk about that more in a second, but, uh, so he did this video and, uh, Tom was like, I got to one up him essentially. So at the beginning of the last episode, he's like, all right, man, I, I want to show you this video real quick. And he has just an over the top video where it starts. All these girls are like sitting on top of a car and you can hear they're watching a video on their phone uh-huh. and you can hear that it's Bert's video oh, and they're no. like, ew, this is so gross. And then one goes, I can't believe he's married. And then oh. the other girl goes, someone married him? Like, they're just ripping him a new one. And then they look up, and Tom Segura is dressed as, like, this crazy character with, like, a ponytail braid. Oh, and he looks like some sort of, uh, like, macho gangster or something. Okay. And they're like, oh, it's Tom Segura. You've been dancing since whenever and he's like i know i have and then he breaks into this whole thing with like he's got backup dancers that he apparently hired from like janet jackson videos and sierra videos he's got like a top music video producer and then at one point in uh in the music video he stops and it pans over to bert but it's fat bert they had gotten a stunt double and they had put Bert's face on the stunt double. The stunt double is easily four or 500 pounds. Oh, no. And he's just like foaming at the mouth. And yeah. like, anyway, they go back to dancing. And then at the end of the video, like Bert falls off of the stool that he's sitting on. Fat Bert does. And then Tom Segura stabs him to death. Whoa. Like it is a wild video. So he shows this to Bert for the very first time on the podcast. And Bert, like there's a moment of silence and then he starts crying because he's laughing so hard. And he's like, I've never seen anything that I like more than that. Like that is hilarious. Yeah. And now th- they were talking about the concept of the fact that there are two guys that are self-promoting. They're spending five digits producing digital content that they're going to the people that work for CBS or yeah. Viacom or uh, Sony music entertainment, whatever it is. They're going to those people because it's the same directors that are available if you're available through uh, CAA, maybe you're available on Upwork too. Who <laughs> right. knows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, if you meet the freight, who cares who the client is? You know, yeah, if you can true. book the per diem or the daily quote. So, they were just talking about how, like, when is this going to stop? Are we going to end up like financing our own movie and like, mm-hmm. you know, like, it, it's just yeah. there's never been more democratization of media, and that's why people are calling Rogan Johnny Carson, right? You know, because. He is the most consumed man in the world when you think about it. Like, I just watch him on YouTube, but each episode of his gets maybe hundreds of millions of downloads now. If not, it's tens of millions for sure. I think the last stat that I heard was somewhere between 60 and 100 million downloads per episode. Yeah. Um, Dude's crazy. And we were talking about, you know, uh, Grandmaster Flash, like being one of the old old heads from rap like you know joe rogan he would be one of the old heads from potting he was one of the first to do it and that's why he has such a huge following and um he was one of the first to really jump on board with that so 
um, highly successful, and it'll definitely be interesting to see uh, how far this media thing will go because clearly there's even more money to be made there. Well, and that's that's part of the problem. That's why, you know, there's been impeachment hearings, and I literally flip to polar worlds when I'm watching cable news. Like, yep. literal polar worlds. And it's not just, you know, this channel is in defense of President Trump, and this channel is an attack of President Trump. Like, you flip on the morning show, for instance, and they'll have something on President Trump on CNN, and then you'll go over to Fox News, and you'll be afraid of like the muslim terrorist epidemic that's happening that you know you don't see anywhere else you know right. it's like you know they 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 scrounge up yeah anyway and then i don't even hardly watch msnbc because i can't stand them yeah um i feel like i've done a good job at segueing today so we've been talking about you know these public figures in the media and who better to talk about right now than brother nature are you aware of who that is no so brother nature is this um young dude that's been really really popular on twitter and a little bit on instagram um he's known for uh feeding these deer that always show up at his house uh, and the main deer is canella so it's it's this uh dude brother nature and he's always kind of roaming around and um you know feeding animals and so he's actually like people are calling him like the kind of the new steve Irwin. like he's a friend to all animals and he's been pushing like this we, we just need peace and love and everything um, and has, has just gained a lot of popularity there. So if you go on Twitter, you can just search Brother Nature. There's tons of videos that you can watch of him like feeding. And the crazy thing is like all of these animals will walk up to him. So you'll see him like feeding baby carrots to squirrels or, or random bunnies. And um, he'll just walk out in nature and uh, and do all that. So he's been like stunting on Twitter, you know, posting himself and in these exotic places because people are now flying him out to all these locations to, to have him there. Well, anyway, um, over the weekend, um, there was a tweet from him that said, Hey, I know there's a video out there of, uh, me getting beat up at this, uh, at this pizza place. And, um, everybody with their phones out, were just watching me get beat up and nobody really helped. And, um, you know, he's basically just calling on punks uh, for beating him. And then, you know, everybody came to his side and was like, oh, man, that's terrible. I can't believe like nobody would help him. You know, he's he's a good looking dude. So all the ladies were like giving, giving him sympathy and everything. And, um, you know, just this genuine dude is always pushing peace. Um, well, it turns out this was actually this actually happened, I believe, in a pizza place. And so the pizza place was like, OK, we're tired of this. This dude's been playing the victim when in actuality, like we have video of him. Um, now, originally he had walked in and there was somebody who saw him and he's really popular. So they started videoing him, you know, as people do whenever they see famous people. I'm not saying that's right. Well, Brother Nature was uh, angered by this and he asked the guy to delete it. And the guy was like, no, nah, man, like we're in a public place. Like it is what it is. And Brother Nature gets like really upset and he points at the guys and he says, you're dead, you're dead. And like he walks out for a couple seconds, um, and then the then there's a video clip of him rushing back in. He doesn't even attack the guy that had been videoing him. He he attacks another guy, and um, so that guy's friends like pounce on him and like putting they start pouring like Cholula or some like hot sauce on his head and like start stomping him out. And that's the short clip that we had saw in the beginning where everybody was giving him sympathy, but in reality, he's the one that came in and like really started a physical fight. 
and then got beat up afterwards. He sounded like this guy I knew. This guy, uh, Juicy Smooye. <laughs> <laughs> oh, another great Dave Chappelle bit, if you haven't watched his most recent stand-up. Juicy Smooye. <laughs> oh, oh, man, that's great. But yeah, so this guy, you know, he was really trying to wow. get social media on his side. Um, cause he's, what a he's punk. Just, yeah, he, uh, like... And I had always been a big fan of his videos and everything too, um, but I'm I'm really good at not rushing to just like believe whatever I see on social media because I feel like there's always more to the story, um, and especially whenever it comes to Twitter, it's always like okay, well let's wait for the other shoe to drop, and you know clearly this time that happened so. <laughs> on his head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shoe dropped right on his forehead. I haven't seen the video at all. I wasn't aware of. I feel like I've heard the name Brother Nature several times yeah. over the last couple of days, but I've been, dude, I, I've been so tuned out because I've just been getting my brain saturated. Yeah, and that's I want to move on to that next because that's kind of all that I have as far as like the main uh, media front. Uh, um, Juicy Smooye, um, <laughs> Brother Nature, his last tweet is actually shout out to uh, Juice World. Shout out to Juice World. Okay, it's wow. Like RIP. It all connects. Yeah, because um, I didn't know. I literally didn't know where you were going with that whole story. Yeah. Um, but I, I looked at I was looking, scrolling through Twitter the entire time. B-Red was talking about it. And he, this guy has got like 2.4 million followers. Yeah, dude, he, he's big. Yeah, that tweet was, I know there's a video out of me getting jumped. Everyone in the pizza shop literally just watched with their phones out and did nothing. Oh, well. And it's like whenever somebody says, oh, well, after that, it's like, Nah, there's probably more to the story. Don't <laughs> like, investigate. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. When, it's like, oh, well, like the story ends here. <laughs> if you have 2.4 million followers and you don't have the clout to get the video that you want to post and you're not posting it, you don't want people to see the video. Yeah. And the dude, you know, comes across as super unproblematic. Um, and for somebody just to be like randomly, you know, punching him in a well, Brother Nature, you know, he tweeted out that it was a pizza shop, but it was in actuality a sandwich shop. Um, but yeah, for them just to be like all of a sudden, you know, beating him up or whatever. Uh, it, yeah, there, there had to have been more. Oh, I'm sure. Um, but I want to hear more about uh, what you had said, you know, going on in your personal life. Uh, well, my my per, my professional life, I think, is what you're asking. Um, yes. <laughs> which you know, is my personal life to a large extent. Um, it's all intertwined. No, I, I was going to say, I obviously last week I announced that I got a job and uh, I was very excited about that. I, I filled B red in on all the dirty deets uh, right. last week at dinner. Um, I was very touched by your interest that you took in just that whole process. Uh, oh yeah. I course. had several people that, you know, they knew what a large transition Yeah. per, I mean, if you want to talk about personal, you know, it was a large transition, um, personally in that, you know, I've, I've been a co-founder of a startup yeah. that's been a hundred percent virtually remote, um, for the last three years plus. So, uh, to go back to it, I would say it's an office. So we're down in victory park actually. Mm. And it's this awesome co-working space uh, that just opened called hatchway and or hatchways. It's got this awesome cafe and overall co-working space, uh, that has like just a bunch of different nooks and crannies, if you will, like a bunch of different one person, two person, three person phone booth pods and like cool little like almost cafeteria alcoves. And like mm -hmm. it's just laid out in such a way that you, you kind of always feel like you're on a a work 
movie cooking set or something like it. Okay. It's so I don't know how to describe it. And they have the most friendly, attentful staff that is just walking around. And like I had I was literally sitting at one of these awesome um it looks like a space desk or something like it's got a wrap around. It's like sitting in a first class airline seat to on like Emirates or something. Okay. And it's got the wrap around. It's got, you know, all the plugs right there. And I'm sitting next to this floor to ceiling picture window in Victory Park, just like pinching myself because, you know, I, I didn't love work from home yeah. personally. Um, so I feel very blessed to, you know, be on a team that, you know, is around other people. And yeah, I, I draw a lot of and I love that for you return on energy and inspiration from that um it, it's fuel fuel for my fire so to speak um and so one of the uh one of the um i guess the front desk staff walks up and she was like do you need a refill in your coffee and i was like no like i can't, i don't even <laughs> yeah. do that to me like what am i what am i supposed to do here lady like i was like i can't in my right mind have you do that and i kind of like looked down and i was like yeah, no, like I can do it. Don't. Do it. And she was like, stop. <laughs> and she like, she was like, how do you take it? And I, I was like, where am I? <laughs> yeah. Cause for the past, you know, however long you've been, you've been, like, you've been getting up from your desk, like in your living room, walking a couple of feet to make your own coffee. Yeah. And now you um, have these... I'm going to save a lot of money in coffee. I can tell you that much. <laughs> That's no, great. Uh, That's great. I wanted to expound. Um, I, I definitely feel like, we're kind of an open book on this podcast and this is definitely, you know, its own thing. Um, yeah. one of the things that I told Brad last week was that, um, I was like, just because I got a job doesn't mean that my commitment level to getting together and recording this podcast has changed one iota. You know, right. yeah. I said, worst case scenario, even if we had to pare things back down, you know, especially going into 2020 to two or three recordings a month, I was like, worst case scenario, they're longer sessions and there's more to share. There's right. more insight gathered in between each podcast. And we're on a great clip. We're going to have at least 12 episodes this first quarter of doing this, which yes, is sir. incredible. Um, and I'm really excited about that. But yeah, I was going to say some initial details about the new job that I got because I know I just teased it last week, but I actually started. So I feel confident saying I'm the director of sales at Preciate. Yes. Yeah, boy. As in, appreciate you, champ. <laughs> so, Appreciate is a public benefit corporation. It's a startup um, founded by a very uh, guy, a guy that's very inspiring to me, uh, has an amazing track record of building successful teams and companies. And I think that I, I have a lot that I can learn from him and my, my colleagues. Um, so, been on the job with them for, for three days now. So, I'm I'm basically uh, directing the sales process and um, our, as, as we try to scale in this market. So what Preciate is, is it's a employee recognition system whose purpose is to build the greatest relationships on earth. So mm. one of kind of our core values is that relationships um, are one of the, the keys to true human happiness and that you know, one of those key components is a, a give get cycle and accomplishment with others. And, um, you know, just living out these core values and recognizing each other for recognition's sake and really building. So what their mission is, is to build a portable um, record of achievement as told by others. And what that looks like is I could go into the iOS application, for instance, or the web portal or the Android app. 
um, or several different integration points. And I could basically recognize BRAD for being a great co-host of the podcast. Hey. And I could say, thanks for, you know, going the extra distance. Here's a, like a core, let's say our podcast had core values. I could give you a core value sticker. And it's almost like a social network in that I could then ask, let's take our top listener. Let's take like a, one of our parents or a Michael or a Heston or whoever listens to us the most. We could ask them for validation and say, hey, don't you also think this person does a good job? And all of the engagement and the metrics are recorded and it builds this kind of vibrant um, portrait of your achievements and your um, emotional intelligence and kind of the, uh, the emotional culture that your, that your company is fostering. Because a lot of the culture that we talk about is cognitive. I was right. Uh, it, it's, it's surrounding, um, it, it's like your compensation or this is the way we act or like we put customers first, mm -hmm. but it has nothing to do with like how we treat each other or why we exist or anything like that. And so that, um, emotional culture and, um, all of that is something that, that appreciate is definitely focused on. And I'm just really excited because I was telling my boss this afternoon, I was like, I've definitely drank the Kool-Aid on like yeah. the mission and stuff because, you know, we've just been through uh, enough sessions and calls and different things at this point that I'm just very excited. So we have yeah, um, a variety of different companies, uh, schools, universities, associations uh, that are using uh, the platform and it's, it's free to sign up. You could go add a connection, recognize them, start, start your portrait and, um, add people from your company or your yeah. team or whether it's like your youth group coordinators or praise team or your, you know, fellow teachers. Mm -hmm. Um, anyway, it's, it's a very exciting space. Uh, I'm just, I'm overjoyed with the, the overall, um, situation and to be, you know, I, I took the last two or three months off since I left my startup and I just feel, you know, shaking the cobwebs off and I'm yeah. excited to get back at it and contribute and, um, just, uh, the, the team keeps a fast, fast paced tempo. Um, everyone is, you know, bright eyed and intelligent and, you know, just really robust with their skills. Um, yeah. it's not a place that you can go and blend in. That's great, man. I would also imagine that it would be beneficial, like not that you want to just, you know, look forward to leaving the company or anything, but whenever you're moving on to another space, you could always perhaps show your future employer or somebody that's interested in you, all these things that, that people have said about you. That's actually one of the express intents. Uh, that's uh, You use me as an example, but you're totally right in that, let's say that you work at Microsoft today and you're on a team there. Well, Microsoft can actually, uh, they can purchase like an annual package essentially where they're going to get you know all these different reports, custom onboarding, um, the special access layer view on kind of how their organization and the people in it are recognizing each other, validating yeah. one another, the emotional culture that's being created, fostered, you know, um, yeah. reinforced. Yeah, that's super important. But then because it's always free to use, like you might have a profile that you're using and you might be within that Microsoft fold, for instance, but you could be recognizing contractors or mm -hmm. third-party team members that you're okay. working with, fractional people, an Upwork person. Yeah, yeah. It could be somebody that passed you a lead to okay. close a deal at Microsoft. And you absolutely take it with you. It's supposed to be your 
portable achievements, your portable record of achievements as told by others that you keep with you for life. Dude, I love that. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, you know me, like I'm somebody who's always like trying to, you know, boost people up and, you know, like, let's just freaking love each other, man. Like, let's, let's, you know, don't wait until it's too late. You know, I, I just talk about like just within your personal relationships, like your family members, your friends, like, you know, tell them you love them while you're here, you know, validate them. And to have something like that for the workplace in which you, you get to share all these, uh, you know, positive uh, feedback for them. I just think that's so like so very important. I think that's really cool. It's incredible to work for a company who has an express purpose and mission that is, you know, you can have purpose and profit, but. Yeah. Um, the way that they're a- attacking this is uh, inspiring. I'm excited to, you know, be I'm excited to feel like I'm contributing good things, not yeah. only into the world, but into the business markets. And the fact that, I mean, the, the figures are like staggering. It's like 13% of people feel engaged at work, you yeah. know, and the number one thing that, you know, increases engagement is like recognition and like, mm-hmm. you know, Hey, we to were feel the, like you're making a difference. Well, we were in the trenches together. And one of the things that I learned from the book that I read last week, I was talking about traction. I ended up finishing that last week and that's a great playbook for, um, it, it just educates you on how to structure an organization and the numbers to look out for the, the, the different apparatus to set up to, um, grow your organization successfully yeah. um, over a long period of time. And one of the core tenets of this book is operating within your unique ability. So there are certain tasks at work like, and I don't know enough. This is something I'm going to throw to you actually, because I want to use your teaching as an example, because yeah. this, this system is not just for business. It could be for a lot of successful groups or organizations. Yeah. So what you would say that there's different skills and tasks that you execute as a teacher, right? Yeah, no doubt. Okay. What is the thing that you're like best at that you love that you know you're good at? Oh, uh, my interaction with my students for sure. Like building relationship with them and for them to feel comfortable in my classroom, not only like creating a place where they can learn, but like where they, where they feel like they belong. Are there any other teachers that are maybe better at serving on a, a button down committee or doing a lesson plan or? Yes. Well, yeah, for sure. Okay. So that's called like unique ability, like you, you have a knack for people and you are, you know, you're like a therapist and you don't even know it. So that's operating within your unique ability. You know, you should be in the classroom or on the field trip or on the basketball bench Mm -hmm. with kids, with these people, you know, like that's your, that's your God given ability. That's what you're best at. And you can make the biggest impact if you operate within that lane and if other people, if your principal is complimenting you with his administrative capabilities, with his hiring capabilities, if you have support from from all these different factions. And so um, I don't quite remember where I was even going with that, but the unique ability piece um, to really stay in your, to contribute within your most um, lethal weapon space, if you will, yeah, yeah, yeah. and have others around you. Well, Here it's like, the point so I, I can accomplish something and, you know, my, my coworkers, they, they're more skilled in other areas. Exactly. Yeah. And if you recognize them, when you operate within your unique ability and no one tells you, Hey, good job. Or I saw that yeah. or anything, you start to think, well, maybe I'm faking it. Maybe Yo, I don't actually work. Maybe. That's, that's why I left Maryland. 
Really? Yeah. Um, I, I felt like I was making an impact in my students' lives, but that was, that went so unappreciated by my former boss. Now I think she was great at, you know, her job as a principal, the school was very successful, but she didn't like really value what I was doing for the students. Um, and, and that just, that became like such a bummer. And, you know, I want to be a place where, you know, not just like being buddy, buddy with the friends, but like actually mentoring them and being there for them and, and, you know, to be lifted up like my current boss, um, he is like always praising me for, for my relationship with my students. Um, you know, you know, attending all the sports games, being with them, um, like last Friday, um, you know, school ends at noon, but I still stuck around until like 9 PM because, um, from seven to nine, we had like a Vespers and I wanted to make sure that I went to that. Um, even though I'm not required to, and like, he sees all that and he really encourages it. And that pumps me up and makes me want to do it more. Um, like in Maryland, I felt like I was making an impact in my students' lives, but kids aren't necessarily going to verbalize it in a way that I need to hear to ensure, uh, I know that I'm making an impact, but to hear it from, you know, a boss or a coworker, um, it, it is extremely valuable to me. Yeah. I, I thrive on it as well. And I think that, you know, if you're good at what you do, if you love what you do and if you're good at what you do, they say you never work a day in your life, yeah. but you also want to feel the weariness of some of level of work. Um, yeah, yeah. the fulfillment of having sweated a little bit and gotten the project done, dude, but I, yeah, I put out, <laughs> I was telling, uh, a few people on Monday, you know, coming back into work over the weekend that I, I seriously put out like seven, five, like, so I, not only did I teach all of my lessons, you know, I taught Macbeth, I taught, I taught the crucible. I taught a short story about King Midas with my sophomores. Um, not only did I do all that, but I, you know, students were coming in like during my free periods and during lunch. And some came in after school to like vent to me about all these things that are that is going on in their lives outside of the classroom. And I, um, I counted and there were like seven groups, uh, either seven individuals or seven groups, you know, however you want to count it, um, that came up to me to ask me for advice or like to vent about what was going on in their lives. And, you seven know, parties. Yeah. Seven. Yeah. You know, I, I've been around you when this has happened. Like we went to dinner after the podcast and we were talking about the kids on the podcast one day and dude, yeah. you literally were getting texts from the kids at dinner that night. Yeah, I, I mean, one of them has been texting me while I'm sitting here with overwhelming you. Overwhelming to me. Um, but it, it convinces me that you're not in this for the paycheck, obviously. Well, yeah, I, I mean, if the paycheck gone. went away, you, you would be gone. But right. at the same time, this is more of a calling and part yeah. of your mission for the moment. I think we all obviously know that if you stay in academia, you're going to be like a, uh, an SVP of student life or right, something right. like that, probably yeah. at the collegiate level. Right. Um, and so, yeah, in saying all that, you're going like, to have to learn how to delegate because you will not, you can't keep this pace forever. You, oh, I, you, I you need to do stuff for you too. Um, I want to wrap up this thought real quick and then keep going. If you, I like to praise people for operating within their unique ability because if you're all of a diverse skill set, it's all magic. You know, yeah. when I was at my design agency, my branding agency, I would, you know, give a creative brief to a designer or I would give, you know, a, a tech spec sheet um, 
to a developer and then would come back and the page would have turned from black and white lines to like, you know, parallax movement and rollover states and all of these different things. And I would, I would literally just say, how'd you do it? Like, <laughs> this is magic. This is incredible. And as a result, even if it was, you know, Thursday at 9.30 p.m., we were still at the office grinding it out. We were a family. We were there yeah. doing it together. And sometimes you need that trench mentality, so to speak. But I think it's important to recognize like, hey, you're awesome at that. And I suck at that. I appreciate <laughs> right, you yeah. being there to do that. Um, so I'm really glad that, you know, I, I, I feel for we've got friends right now that will remain unnamed that are teachers, business people. Um, they work in civic uh, associations like or not-for-profit groups. And I know people from every representative function of society that are unhappy yep. due to a boss that is not connected to them, not engaged with them, not recognizing them, or even worse, maybe throwing them under the bus. Or I think the only thing worse than negative engagement is no engagement when yeah. they just don't talk to you when they don't reply to your email right that's the worst yep. um radio silence is worse than even a hand slap i think yeah no doubt. but i'm sorry that you experienced that in maryland that's and fine that's shocking because from everything i knew about that particular school i thought that that was kind of compared to the school that you originally taught at the parents were a lot more dialed in. The school was well funded. I thought it yeah, was going to be. I mean, be, they were highly successful. Like it was, but it was very, a test. It was a test score school, wasn't yeah. it? And even though like my test scores were up, um, I don't know. It just, I, I did not feel fulfilled. Like I was doing my job, but like you said, like, you know, I'm just kind of clocking in. I'm not really getting a lot of feedback and what I truly cared about wasn't valued. And that was a real bummer to me. Um, so I came back home. Um, and I love, Hey, you real, you finally reeled one back in for me. Hmm. <laughs> Good job, man. <laughs> Typically I, you know, I, yeah, I got a little carried away there, but what, um, really what I wanted to end on from that conversation is that I don't say all that to toot my own horn and be like, Oh, look at me. Like, you know, I, I'm making a difference in all these kids lives, but, um, just the fact that, you know, I can reach some kids and, and the other teachers uh, can reach different personality kids because, you know, due to their personality and all of us coming together to, you know, en enrich the kids' lives and be there for them and help mentor them. And um, I, I don't know, that's what's really important and, and cool for me to see. Like, I, I would hate to work at a place where every single person was like me because, I don't reach every single kid. Um, <laughs> well, no shade. I hate me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, I, I just, that would be annoying, you know? Like, right. Exactly. And so um, that's why I love, uh, you know, what your what this company that, you know, you, you've signed on with um, stands for, because, you know, just to hear that you're doing a great job and, you know, for people to highlight those things, like that company is literally there like in the most literal sense to make a positive impact. And I love that. Yeah. To better, to better connect people and uh, just, you know, recognition and creating that better emotional culture. And, you know, just the numbers that come out of that, I'm sure um, I'll continue to experience uh, more understanding as far as all of those go, but you can attribute 
I was looking at stats today, like $500 billion in, um, you know, GDP essentially lost due to people that just, they don't care. They're yeah. moving their mouse around. Eh, is it five <laughs> yet? You know? Yeah. Um, and so that's, yeah, I, I'm super excited about that. That's all I'm going to really say about the gig so far. I, I'm loving the office. I have yep. a great commute. I've got a great team. Um, I'm excited to go attack this market with a tool and platform and uh, purpose that, you know, I believe in yeah. and others obviously do as well. Um, so it's an exciting time. It's interesting being back uh, in a J-O-B. Um, I would say nine to five. I've been trying to show up pretty early um, all of this week. That's right, baby. I'm still old school like that. I'm like, got to get got to yeah. get in before the big boss man's no, there. I'm the same way it, uh, at, at the school where I work. It's like the principal that shows up and then I'm typically the second person that gets into work. So that's how it was at uh, my branding agency. Um, the the boss would get there at like 530 a.m. Yeah, yeah. or 430. Like it was insane. So I would walk in three hours. Like I'd be there at like 730. Like, right. hey, you know, and I'm thinking I'm getting mad points right now, but. You know, yep. the right bosses don't actually care about the hours that you employ if you're getting the job done and right. excelling. Yep. Um, you're efficient. Obviously, in sales, there's always going to be a component of, you know, these doors to remain open between eight and five type uh -huh. deal because you're trying to transact business. Yep. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, I want to moving forward, I want to draw inspirational or funny stories kind of vaguely from that experience. But, um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to delve delve too far in just from yep. a confidentiality standpoint and i hear you um <laughs> not really sure what you know we started this and i didn't i i didn't have we a were, job yeah. so and we we weren't going to talk about relationships or like <laughs> here we are yeah religion yeah who we actually were anything yeah yeah I have so. a frog in my throat um i've been so dry this week man with this weather yeah. and i don't know if it's yo that cold front hit oh my goodness my skin is just cracking and yeah. it's been terrible um so what else do we ha we've talked about swallow we talked about the new job oh yeah like i wanted to give you a shout out so we had oh. talked about books last week uh we talked about malcolm gladwell i guess on the yeah. podcast a week ago and um b rad had said oh i've got that and i wanted to borrow it so i texted him today and i was like can you bring outliers to me tonight and he's like yeah yeah, yeah. So he shows up. He bought me my own edition. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I bought it before. I bought it for you before you had even asked me to bring it. Um, really? Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Um, for Christmas, for some of my friends, like uh, you know, I'm I'm wanting to get them some books that I felt uh, felt have impacted my life, and I know you showed interest in that one, so I wanted to make sure that you had your own copy. Well, thank you, man. I'm ah, super no excited to dig into that since I I wrapped traction on Friday, and it's now Wednesday. So I've been kind of hungry. I, I didn't want to dive back into the four just cause I, I didn't care about it in that moment, Yeah, <laughs> but I, I will. Um, but yeah, I, I grinded out traction in uh, probably three days and, um, hadn't, I'm ashamed to admit this. I hadn't devoured a book like that, you know, so quickly and really just, I felt like been engaged. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like my experience too often in my adult life has been, this book is highly recommended. It's got all the secrets. Mm -hmm. Read 50 or 100 pages on a flight. Oh, I get it. Yeah. All right. Like four-hour work week, Tim Ferriss. You know, I wrote Tim Ferriss off for a long time because I was like, 
this guy doesn't want me to actually do anything in life. He, <laughs> yeah. I'm like, somebody in India is living my life for me and I don't yeah. I'm like, what what do I have left to do? Like right. I hadn't accounted for a world where it was like just do whatever you know, like yeah. it didn't make sense. When he said you spend two hours twice a month on email, mm-hmm. essentially, like yeah. every other month. I was like, this guy is crazy. Right. So anyway, I, I got the governing principles of what he was talking about. And I am trying to be a better time. You got manager. the clip notes. I didn't finish the book. Yeah, that's <laughs> you okay. know, but with traction, I was like, I was, I just, I read it cover to cover. Right. Um, that's awesome. And yeah, I think reading people say that, the amount of money you're going to make is directly proportional to the number of good books that you're reading, you know, right now. Yeah. And I have friends that are just, you know, more re- voracious readers than I am even. What do you read Macbeth? You do I mean, yeah, thing. I mostly do all the literature. Um, do you read personally? Uh, typically like during the summers. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I'll try to read like the best, like nonfiction, you know, whatever at the top of the list. And then, a couple of like self-help or uh, I, I love reading like uh, psychology uh, type books. So what I've started to do is uh, I'm trying to limit screen time um, much more. You know, yeah. I haven't obviously been watching much at all yep. <laughs> recently. Um, and I traded in a lot of screen time last week to get traction in before I started this job. And it, it was, I got a big return on energy from that. Like, Waking up even, you know, my first inclination was I like to watch uh, Allison Camerata and John Berman on Good Day, CNN, you know, from like six to seven type deal. And this time I woke up, you know, I read a hundred pages of the book and I felt like my brain was more alive and ready to tackle (laughs) the day. And like, even my level of conversation was elevated in that day. I find that if my physical activity is at par for the week, like if I've gotten my steps in or played golf or something like I'm happier if I've meditated, I can finish the sentence more crisply. I can navigate the thought process better. Like I get off track and go on tangents less when I meditate, when I have some element of physical activity. And if you layer reading, good conversations, good work, like you can level up as a human. But I think that, you know, it's hard because there are so many professionals that are working so hard and they're not reading the book, you know, and yeah. I, these people that are always like reading three books plus doing all that stuff, you know, it's like, well, I, maybe that's what's called for, you know? Yeah. For sure. But it's exciting to be in a position where you, because you read this, you want to read that now and that's going to lead you to that. So it's like, it's this never ending trail that's fueled by desire and curiosity and not yeah. some arbitrary sense of like, well, got to level up, hustle, <laughs> grind, Monday motivation, yeah. you know, which right. I'm guilty. Like I tweeted the book cover and, you know, hashtag something, you know, I, I think it was pretty intrinsic to the book, but I'm, have you noticed that on my Twitter? Like I'm not hashtagging as no, much. No, like, no. I'm, I'm trying to be you, genuine. It's, and, it's a lot more personable rather than like, yeah, I, I've, I've told you off the pod, you know, like previously, whenever you were working for all these companies or, you know, you were the co-owner, co-owner um, it, the tweets just seemed a lot more like robotic or like just very That's cause I'm bad social media manager. <laughs> no, it's not even that. It's just like, here are statistics for this. Like, here's just some numbers thrown at you. And it's like, well, me as an outsider, who's not like really in the business world, like 
I don't really know what that means. Like, I'm a good friend of yours. I'm always going to support you. I'll throw you a like. I'll, I'll retweet whatever you're saying. That doesn't mean that I understand it, though. And so uh, just now it just seems a lot more personable and I can kind of understand a little better, like, what you do or what's going on in your day to day whenever you're in the office or, you know, different things like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think that we've obviously been generating a lot of content with this podcast. And I think that we've had a very measured approach to promoting this, you know, like yeah, we pretty much tweet out one or two tweets about each episode, Yep, you know, and typically it's like I reply to myself. I'm like, Hey, as a follow up, like check out this stat or yeah. thanks to this or whatever. Um, and the cool thing is that, We've gotten more tweets about the show than we've probably tweeted in some ways. Yeah, um, yeah, definitely. Which is incredible, and probably the way it should be. Um, yeah, because it's funny, and this is one of the things that I was going to address at the top of the show, and I didn't. Um, we we should. I don't know if we should pre-record an intro or have a, a standard boilerplate of like, "Hey, here's who we are." Like. Hey, I'm Brad. He's Carson. We met in college. <laughs> we graduated years apart and we remain close through, you know, cross country, like whatever the little thing is that catches you up at the beginning of the show, because they're not very standalone in certain yeah. ways. He's um, type A while I'm type B. So it's a double edged sword, right? In that we got tech, we got a text from, um, I think it was Michael the other day. And he was like, yeah, yeah just, uh, I, I listened to episode nine yesterday. I'm almost through episode 10 today. And I see in our analytics, like I can tell when somebody's working up the list yeah. because all the numbers move up. You know, like the, the last episode is always the one that's climbing the most, but uh -huh. then I'll see all the others move up like two, for yeah. instance. So it's like whoever like just tuned in for the first time. It's like, now they're going back, uh, further back in the catalog. And listening to others. Yeah. And I, I always ask people like uh, I've had a lot of people. We talked about this last week, like even in business, you know, family, whoever that have tuned into the podcast. And I'm always like, which one did you listen to? And for how long? Like, <laughs> yeah. what was your intro? Because I'm fascinated to know if you're going back to episode. I've talked to people that are like, oh, no, I started at episode one and you were on episode right. eight. And that is cool for sure. Yeah. And we, we just cover so many different spaces. So it's like within the past several episodes, like, did you just zoom forward and listen to me, you know, kind of laugh and talk about pink taco or, <laughs> or have you listened to me like give a heart to heart, like, you know, how much I care about my students or have you heard me talk about like, you know, my favorite rap music? Like there's a lot of different, different things, uh, different sound bites. Uh, just depending on whether or not you've listened the whole way through or what episode you've listened to. And that's the same, you know, for you, Carson. Yeah. And I, I had a, I had a golf match with a buddy the other day and he was like, yeah, I listened to 20 minutes of your, he's a recent podcast adopter. It was so funny. Like I've talked to him about podcasts in the past and he'd never really listened to one. And so I talked to him about, I listen to all of these. Like I actually have one, like, you know, I wasn't pitching it to him, heavy, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but he listened. It was so funny. He had a, a long drive uh, a couple of weeks ago and I guess that one of his favorite rockers or somebody had been on JRE. Did I already tell this story? I'm having deja vu right now. I don't now. think so. So it, and th it illustrates a point that I'm trying to make here that, um, one of his favorite rockers from some band was on Joe Rogan experience. And so he listened to his first ever Joe Rogan episode, who obviously I, I probably consumed that podcast more than any. Was it my chemical romance? 
uh i don't know okay sorry anyway, it was continue. uh it, it was the guy's name um uh uh it, it was like Ger- last 10 episodes gerard way no okay never mind then. no 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 it was um, not what i'm thinking of anyway so he was like yeah i i really liked i thought that they were going to like interview this guy from this perspective and it ended up just being this free-for-all session where they talked about theory and like all of these different underlying things and like he was really he was just marinating and reflecting on kind of how free form a podcast can be and how deep it can go and i was like yeah man like <laughs> it's really exciting to hear you talk about listening to your first podcast uh josh hame yeah uh queens queens of the stone of age the stone age so he was a big fan of that band apparently yeah. and as a result joe rogan got a new listener because he had an interview that caught someone's eye because of the guest. Now, what I told my, my buddy to do um, is I said, what you're going to do now is you're going to exhaust. You're just going to type in Joe Rogan, Mike Tyson, Joe Rogan, Bernie Sanders. Yeah. Like, think of any combination <laughs> you could ever think of living yeah. and see if they and have some dead probably yeah. and see if there's an interview for that. And I said, once you've gone through all of those based on the guest recognition and interest, you will have such a, an understanding and trust level of Joe Rogan that you yeah. will allow him to introduce you to people that to you would people. not have given exactly. a chance originally. Yeah. Um, and I was just thinking like ours is more like a telenovela. telenovela. It's like, <laughs> you must start in chapter one, my dear. Right. You know? <laughs> yeah. You never, a, yeah. Ours is a mixed story. bag, baby. <laughs> and I, I love our podcast, honestly, yeah. like, cause we talk about literally everything. Um, yeah. you know, our jobs, business, media, the world, religion, love, whatever. Um, life and that's right i think that obviously we have a lot of shared history where you know we can extend each other the benefit of the doubt or we kind of know where we're going on a certain tangent or whatever but yep. um yeah it, so anyway he was saying that he listened to 20 minutes of ours and i was like which part yeah <laughs> i don't think he even remembered but it just struck me that i'm like if you're just coming in like oh i'll click on episode 11 you know it's like how are we setting it up to where it could be standalone per yeah. se? Or I guess my question is I'm not a, a true consumer of this. Like I listen to every episode, but I don't have that mindset where, you know, if I, if I could listen to it through a person's ears that has That's never hearing, heard my voice, yeah, like hearing these stories for the first does, time is episode 11 going to hold up. Do you have any interest? You know what I mean? I mean, as I mean, they should, <laughs> no, I mean, like, uh, oh, well, I'm not even being cocky, but like, you know, our discussion as far as, uh, you know, uh, decriminalization of drugs or, you know, education, business, um, or, you know, our stance on, you know, these SoundCloud rappers, like, I, I feel like it, I feel like there is, uh, I'm not judging some weightiness. the quality of our content because I'm always struck listening back. I'm like, wow, that, this is fascinating. <laughs> Dang, <laughs> we're, we're smart. We're smart dudes. Well, in, Often when I feel like we I'm just get out onto a conversational limb where it's like, oh, where was I going? Like, how do I get back to the tree? Like, reel it back in. All of that is typical. Like, upon listening to the produce show, <laughs> the produce show, it goes a lot smoother than you're thinking. Like, it all comes out of the big magic machine yeah. if it's just through Apple Podcast, right? right? But um, anyway, something to think about, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we'll think about a, a hokey little intro, like. Like a '90s sitcom. I'll do a rap every uh, every. You really should. That would probably drive analytics. Like, man, if David uh, Wanza, 
if he did a custom rep for our show to play us in, that would be so dope. Yeah, maybe I, maybe we can, or maybe I'll work out a deal with him. What could we barter with him? <laughs> Money. <laughs> Mike. I mean, we, I'll, yeah. Can we put him in the show notes? I'll just, I'll throw him. <laughs> Honestly, like he's actually done some podcasting him himself, and so he's familiar with it, and he would actually be really insightful uh, for a lot of stuff too. Well, and you know, if anybody's listening to this and they're like a SoundCloud rapper and they want to send us a clip, like yeah. I will read your upcoming show locations for eight consecutive episodes if we play your song at the top of every episode. Yeah. Straight up. I will. Like we, you know that we have sponsorship capabilities for this right now. Like I have friends that are monetizing podcasts with fewer listens than us, mm. but we're not turning that stuff on. Nah. You can't buy us. You can't. I mean, you can. You can. Well, yeah. I'm for sale. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, we'll talk pricing. Uh, <laughs> hey, every, everything's negotiable. <laughs> Have you ever heard that Winston Churchill story? about? Sure. He, he asked a woman, um, excuse me, madam, but would you sleep with me for a million pounds? And she said, oh, of course. And he goes, would you sleep with me for a hundred pounds? And she said, what do you think? I'm a whore? And he said, well, I know that you're a whore. I'm simply negotiating the price now. Mm. And it was, I don't know if that was Winston Churchill's interaction or just a famous quote from him or if he had nothing to do with any of this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but I, I think of that quote often just yeah. from a hypocrisy standpoint, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, anyway, we haven't turned sponsorships on and don't really have a, we did hit the 100-hour mark in the last – just in the last 60 days. So that's right. iTunes – and that's just through iTunes. iTunes yeah. analytics suck. And only 98 of the hours were, were consumed by me and Carson. <laughs> Yo, we, we're up above 750 listens too. I love that. That's cool. Well, I appreciate all of y'all out there. Like Once again, shout out to the listeners. The fact that any of you are listening blows my mind every week. And we're going to say it every week. Like I told somebody the other day, they were like, how many, how many people are listening? I'm like 75 or a hundred per episode. Yeah. They were like, really? I was like, yeah. yeah. Like, and I'm thrilled to death with that. <laughs> like, that's in insane to me. Yeah. That's wild. Um, so yeah, shout out to the weekly catch up fam. Mm. We're still, we're both working. Brad, you know, slogged through the traffic to get her late since I'm yeah. working, working the job now. Um, thankfully I can be home in seven minutes. Love that. So I called him leaving the office and I was like, I'm on my way home. And he goes I'm like, I'm already here. I just rolled up. I'm like seven minutes out. Yeah. No, it worked out anyway. Well, anything, dude, we should probably go because we're going to battle that two hour limit again. <laughs> yeah. 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 We'll, uh, you got any shout out. outs. Brock yeah. hit us up this week. Um, shout out Brock, of course. And then I have three others. Uh, I just want to shout out Gerald Golickson. Oh. One of my besties, Gerald. Um, he just finished last night, his final night shift. Um, he had been working seven years on the night shift, and now he has finally switched to the day shift so he can start taking classes. Um, dude wants to be a firefighter, so we're going to see if uh, we can further that uh, goal in 2020. Dude, he's been on night shift for seven Se years? Seven years. That's oh, from the movie Never Back Down. That was goodness. a perfect impression. Uh, <laughs> um, also, I want to shout out Raul Vigil, another one of my boys. I've known him since kindergarten. Um he just passed his finals, and uh, he only has one more year of school, and then he'll finally 
be graduated. He's doing like some computer tech stuff. And so I just wanted to say I'm super proud of him. I don't even think he listens to this podcast at all, but you know, I just wanted to shout out one of my boys. And then um, who else did I have? I felt like I had one more, but I could, I don't know. Who do you have to shout out? Um, probably just my, my, um, my family and Ellen and my friends for being so supportive as I go back to work. Um, I got so many great texts and people that wanted a phone call, uh, that have just been just really supportive. Uh, I was honestly emotional over the weekend, just thinking like this chapter of my life, I've never not gone into the office or, you know, know, all these different things. And, uh, so I was almost emotional just thinking like, this is the last, you know, Sunday night in this scenario, like in this chapter, in this distinct chapter of my life. And that was really, really moving to me. And it's kind of moody over it, but my family, uh, Ellen, my friends, you, um, and shout out to my extended family. Uh, I wanted to say this real quick and I'm probably can't say too much, but, um, I grew up in this amazing extended family that I, I took for granted. I thought this is the way of life. I come from this amazing family that we, we'd had this huge Christmas celebration with 50 people and four generations. And, um, you know, the generations at the top were spread probably eight or 10 across, you know, of siblings and cousins that, you know, had grandchildren, um, that they had passed down. And I was just one of the young ones, you know, running around, you know, (laughs) from table to table and, uh, just thought this is the way it's always going to be. And then, you know, you lose grandparents and family members and all of those other generations did as well. And then if you haven't been investing in the generation that you're a part of and actively reaching out or being available or just loving and taking an interest, uh, family are just friends with a bloodline connection yeah. and or acquaintances, even worse. Like when you're family, you don't have to work at it in your mind for a while. Right. And so as a result, um, the, the huge Christmases that we'd always historically had, well, you know, what happens if if there's a key divorce or if there's a key death in the family or mm-hmm. if if two people have a riff that, and they're influencers from either side or, you know, I, I'm presenting all of these scenarios and I feel like all of these scenarios will probably happen and more in my family and every other family. Yeah. But um, myself and one of the uh, the guys from the younger generation, he's slightly older than me, but um, on the other side of the family, we just took it upon ourselves to say, let's get the entire family together this Christmas. Yeah. And so we, we hatched a plan and executed on the plan and we have everybody coming, everybody. Like, let's go, you know, all the people that I think it's going to be a therapeutic, like love session of sorts. And that, you know, I think some of the older folks in the family, some of the older generation, if you will, are inspired by the fact that the kids kind of put their foot down and said, mm-hmm. we should really all be together. Like life is too precious. We don't know how many Christmases we all have left together. Yeah. Um, Good and for you guys, man. So yeah, I'm, I'm really excited. That's been, it's been the big personal endeavor for my family uh, yeah. over the last couple of weeks as I went into work. So shout out to all of them for, um, going along with the new <laughs> situation, the new scenario where uh, my parents are actually going to host. Great. We're going to have a big lively group. Um, so I'm really excited about that. That's wonderful, man. I'm happy to hear that. All right. Any, anybody else? Um, a couple of my students said that they had tuned in here and there. So if you're oh, listening no. to this, uh, you should Do be your doing homework. your homework. Finals are next week. 
win a uh, basketball game. Like, yeah. No, my kids go, win. Go to yeah. Southwestern right. and win a basketball yeah. game. They need you. Um, yeah, so love to my students. Love to, once again, all everybody that's been listening. Really appreciate you guys. Love. <laughs> it's all love, baby. Appreciate you. Appreciate uh, the rap at the top. Uh, I can't wait to go back and listen to that. Maybe that's the show intro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at least for, I mean, that's episode 11 specific, but... All right, fam, uh, that's it for Wednesday, December 11, 2019. We'll be back with at least one more episode at before least, Christmas, yeah. so uh, we'll keep you updated. Thanks for listening. As always, we're available on all the major platforms, weeklycatchuppodcast.com. I'm available on Twitter at Carson C. Gibbons and Instagram, Carson Gibbons. Twitter, Humble Brad, Instagram, Brad Colvin, and we will catch you up next week. Bye-bye.